Pretty sure that wasn't supposed to happen. She is so calm. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> why was she not trying to get out of the car? I don't know. Like, what? She's still buckled in, even. <laughs> That's what I mean. She didn't even take her seatbelt off. Like, like, she thought the car was going to become a boat. I don't get it. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm never not. Hey, everything else in our society can be things that it's not. So why can't the car be a boat, right? That's true. But I'm never not amazed by women drivers. Like, they never cease to amaze me. Um, okay, so we got oh, Joe oh, Hold on. Today. Speaking, speaking oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah. women we another, drivers. We got another one for, for everybody. Hang on. Let's see so, if I can make this bigger. So now, Rob, tell the backstory to this. So this is a conversation between me and my wife, Hope. And her her part is up in white. We have cameras over our house for, you know, baby monitors and stuff like that. And she said, it's good thing we don't have a camera in the garage or you and aunt would have fodder for your women can't drive segment. <laughs> no damage to the car. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, no, no <laughs> damage to the car. But I kind of backed into the pole. We have a pole, like a support pole in the middle of our garage between the two stalls. And somehow she backed into it. Okay, so listen to this. I got to tell this. This is hilarious because my wife pulls in the driveway and she's on the phone with somebody. And she hops out of the car and leaves the car in drive. And the car slowly goes into the garage. She goes in the house. Then she comes out of the house and the car is inside the garage. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand. How do you not put the car in park? Joe, Joe you married? Uh, no, I get I get married in October. October oh, you have, you're this married. is what you have to look forward to, <laughs> bud. <laughs> gotcha. So, so listen, I got to explain to everybody. Um, first off, uh, Joe Gallagher, uh, formerly of the Red Top Report on Church Milton, right? Yes, sir. Yes, so sir, that was my baby. So I met Joe when I went to the Cancel Priest Conference. Joe helps Father Lovell over there, and Joe is, like, the the showrunner. Like, he's, like, I, I didn't really get to spend much time with you at the conference because you were literally bouncing back and forth like a lunatic. But the one thing I did address was I said that I wanted to get you out of newsroom mode. And I'm, like, the best way to get Joe out of newsroom mode, because you've been doing newsroom stuff for years, Right. I mean, you got it's like everything was I'm like, we got to bring Joe on an off the rails episode and just you know, what, is, what is Amy saying? I almost did that once and drove through 7-Eleven. <laughs> I love the ladies. The ladies are adorable. So, yeah. So I wanted to get Joe on just to just to show him like how unorganized and unprofessional we are. So yeah. I'm thankful for it. Honestly. Yeah. You, <laughs> I'm used to. Uh, I still have the, you know, sit up. Don't put your hands too much on the desk. But if you do, I, I don't know. There's so it's a, it's nice to be able to kind of uh, to break that mold every now and then. Throw on a t-shirt and just come and hang with your friends, right? I was thinking because usually when Father Lovell asks me to co-host on Hope in the Desert or on any other program I've done in the past before Red Top Report, 
it was very much the, um, or after, even at, right, uh, right after I started my contracting work, because I was with Catholics for Catholics for a little bit there. It was, you know, button shirt, button shirt. And so I, I was getting ready to put it on and I thought, what? No, I'm going to keep the t-shirt on. Good so, job. Good job. I'm so happy, man. Honestly, I, so I, I've never been like, uh, I mean, you saw me at the conference. I didn't even want to wear a suit at the conference. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't do well with like. I could do it at a wedding or something, but like when I saw, I really meant it. When I saw Doug Barry went up and he was just in like jeans and a t-shirt, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I don't have to wear my suit. Anthony lives by the, the mantra, um, better to uh, ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Well, that's kind of my take in podcasting in general. The, uh, the whole news thing is kind of going the way of the dodo bird. And so to have somebody who's personable and has a personality, personable, it, it requires you to, to dress just like everybody else dresses. This whole facade of I'm a newscaster and therefore I'm separated from the masses is just old news and it's just really stupid. It really is funny, man. Like you see like people are drifting away from like the the very professional outfits like that. Like the, like the days of Walter Cronkite are long gone. <laughs> And you could even see, <clears throat> I mean, we're not going to talk about Church Militant, but you could see even Church Militant, like you could see Michael Voris is doing his own show now, kind of dressing down a little bit. It's not as professional. You see Christine Niles doing the same thing. Like they they are seeing it too. Like it's, you know, the professional newsroom thing is one thing, but then, I mean, honestly, I think most people enjoy our show because they say kind of feels like they're just hanging with their friends. Like I, I think yeah. what it is is like, I don't want to hear what some you know, dressed up talking head on the TV tells me I should think. I want to hear what a, a guy like me is thinking himself. I agree. That's it. I, I don't think they'll care that I said that I say this, but before I left CM, that was, that was a big thing that I pushed was get away from all of the news. I mean, it's got its place, of course, but let's have some single cam, maybe two cam shots of podcast style. That's the future. That's what it is. You know, it's, we can't be Dan Rather anymore. And I'm not saying that they, that they are, they were, but you know, news is not the same medium as it was. And people would much rather hear three or four stories with some commentary rather than this just in breaking news. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. That's like, that's generally what we do. So like our show, um, we'll pick, I usually pick like, three stories that we're going to go over. And then we just in, you know, we fill in with fodder in between those three stories. Like I'm going to tell you guys what happened to me today. So uh, last week I was driving my boat to the dock and I left the cover, the bimini top on the boat while I drove it before I left. I said to my daughter, I got to remember to take that top down. I forgot to take it down. That top is meant to withstand like 35, 40 mile an hour winds when you're driving in your car doing 65 on the highway, the whole top ripped right off. So today we went out and I had no top on the boat, no cover whatsoever. So when I tell you I was in the sun all day. What like, happened to boat modesty? Come on. Dude, my face is so red. You have no idea. Like boat modesty. <laughs> you're shot. So <laughs> I literally was in the sun for nine hours straight today, just getting fried like a lot like a I look like a lobster. It's really bad. So don't mind my sunburn, everybody. I was gonna um, say we can tell what kind of sunglasses you were wearing. <laughs> I don't wear hats either. Like I hate wearing hats too. So um 
Then uh, I had something else I wanted to talk. Well, that's that. probably why you have so much hair in your old age, Anthony. Is, you uh, think so? Yeah. <laughs> my old age. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Thank I'm here you. with these young kids. These young kids, they don't know. You guys will be lucky to have as much hair as I, I do at my age. Um, all right, Rob, let's see. What other, what other videos did I send you? I sent you this. Um, I sent you another video. It's uh, I see a one guy. of a Tesla. No, no, no. We'll do that one after. Actually, you know what? Let's do the Tesla and keep in rhythm with our lady drivers. Let's, <laughs> let's go with our lady drivers, and we'll stick with that theme and just see what this wonderful woman was doing at a gas station. Oh they, no! I know where this is going. They t- I hesitated to show this one because this girl's dressed very inappropriately, but it was too funny to pass up. <laughs> oh no! Bro, it's an electric car. So the Australian women. They not understand. The Australian women. Someone should tell her it's blinker Dude, the best part is somebody gets out to help her. Oh no! <laughs> Was she about to pour the gasoline in the in the electric bro. charger spot? I hope so. <laughs> at least she at least she realizes that's not right. Hey, I reckon that you should go. I reckon that you should go out and try help her. Go 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 go. So this guy goes out yeah. and he doesn't tell her, "Hey, it's an electric car. You can't charge it." He tells her, no, play no, to me, man. "No, it's on the other side." <laughs> He says, no, 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 it's probably on the other side. Bring it to the other side. <laughs> this guy's, some, this guy's away, so yeah. mean. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 we can stretch the hose. Go ahead, bring it on the other side. <laughs> How awful. <laughs> How awful. Look, the car's electric. Look, it's an electric car. Yeah, you didn't put pencil in it, you put... <laughs> You put charge. You, you charge it. It's electric. Does she try to gas up her cell phone? The other side. She's oh, the ladies. The ladies are awfully entertaining. Um, ooh. but then I actually had the uh, the video above that one. Rob is um, this one. We've showed something like this in the past, but I like I want to explain people how to handle something like this if you ever see it. Because it's actually really dangerous. Oh, see what, yeah. Yeah. So like this is something that I, I have personal experience with. I've seen somebody do it and they got severely injured. And the way these guys handled it, you know what? No volume, though, Rob, because they curse. OK, so no volume on it. But let's just show the video real quick. So. All right. So this guy's driving. He's got his top up. These guys go and they they try to tell him and they tell him to slow down, right? But because they want the video, they slow down and they get behind them and they watch oh, this happen. They should have got in front of him and slowly stopped. There you go. I mean, because that so could have killed around, multiple you look, people. Look, this guy, the whole truck tipped over. Okay, so now I know a guy personally. And, well, look look at what they're wearing. They're I mean, these guys are in construction or, you know, working vests. Yeah. They should have known what to do. So they should have pulled in front of him and stopped the car. Yeah. And forced him to stop. I mean, so I know I know a guy who pulled off a job site. It was a dump truck, had the body up in the air and he hit an overpass and then his head hit the ceiling and it broke his neck. And the guy was in a wheelchair the rest of his life. Oh, so. 
I mean, right. So when you see something like that, you don't slow down to get a video of the damage that's going to happen. You get in front of the guy and you stop the car and save a person's life. I mean, who knows can what I, happened there? Can I just also say, like, that? that's the type of thing that I think when I see people recording videos of, uh, well, hate to say it, but when you see all these white women or guys being jumped by a group mm. of people um, and they just would rather record it or even in other scenarios. And it's not, it's not a whole, a whole group of black people attacking the white person that you would see in New York, even though the media doesn't want to talk about it. But anytime you start seeing somebody just getting destroyed by an entire group of guys, uh, it's like, why are you holding the camera? What are, what are you doing? Why don't you go in there and actually stop? We live it? in such a voyeuristic society. It's now. like it's that insane. guy in Vancouver that got stabbed to death outside of Starbucks, right? Yeah. You had like two or three videos of, of people just videotaping and not doing anything to even provide first aid. Yeah, See, that's what I can understand being too afraid to jump in, right? <clears throat> like, I can understand that. But afterwards, the guy, the, the, the assailant runs away and now the guy's bleeding out and nobody's providing first aid. Everybody just wants their camera out. Like, we live in a really, really strange time where people just want their Instagram clicks or whatever they're, they're, their Twitter likes. So yeah, we live in a TikTok society. It's easier to film for the gram, film for the TikTok than to yeah. intervene. It's really I blame World Star. That you remember yeah. that? Yes. World Star. That's that is the that was the catalyst for this type of crap where people would so, they'd rather film. So I was working one day and I saw a group of kids jumping a young kid. And I saw 35 people around videoing. Now I'm in Queens and I'm like I wanted to jump in. Like I wanted to help the kid. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I really hesitated, man. Like I, so after it was over, I went and I helped the kid, but I didn't break it up. Like I, I really had to think about my wife and my kids and like, okay, I don't, I don't know, man. In, in best case, you jump in and, and break it up and, and hurt one of them. And you'll be on the news as the guy who choked out the crazy dude on the subway. I remember yeah, when like, I was like, I think I had to have been 11 and I was just riding my bike all over the town that I grew up in. And, uh, I was riding by and I saw these two older guys way. I mean, they had to have been in their forties. Uh, and they were, they were really starting to shove each other. And one guy got on top of the other one and was just laying into him. And, uh, that was uh, really a big watershed moment for me. I mean, I called the police. I don't know what a nine-year-old or however old I was riding his bike, what I could have done. But I think back to that moment, and I th that was the moment for me that I swore, if I ever saw something happen like that again, I'm diving in. God, yeah. God willing, you just got to dive in because it's just not necessary. The thing is, I like working in the city, like you, we saw what happened with, with the guy on the subway, right? Like he intervened and he stopped the guy and now he's on trial for manslaughter. And not just that. I mean, you see 20 kids jumping one kid, especially high school kids, man. Like you don't know, you don't know what you're getting yourself into in the city anymore. It's wild. Like they well, got Alvin Braggs or whatever his name is, the psycho DA for Manhattan, yeah. right? That's Alvin Braggs. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, they've made it so that they want the criminal 
to be the victim. It's a weird thing, right? Like this guy was on a rampage threatening people and the guy who actually steps in to help people, he was a victim himself of this lunatic and he steps in to stop the guy and we've made him out to be the bad guy. It's a really strange time we live in. School shooting with the, the, the tranny that shoots up and you know kills kids. What's the White House press secretary say? Oh, the trans are our friends. They need yeah. to be protected. Yeah, it's so weird. Welcome to our second strike, everyone. Ah, you think that'll get a strike? You guys should have warned me. <laughs> uh, we we'll say troons. Troons. I didn't In, wait, have, we descri- have we described Amish to, jo- to Joe yet? Uh, if it comes up, we will. Okay. <laughs> we will. We got John Henry Weston to say Amish on our show. Dude. Oh, that was the best <laughs> dude, ever. It was so funny. So, Joe, we, it, when we're describing the people of the Old Covenant, we call them Amish because they don't have technology and you know they're never going to complain about something we do and we, we told that to john henry weston and he actually started using it in the it show great. it was pretty funny um so all right so uh sunday i went to my brother-in-law's fourth of july party i sent you a little clip of the fireworks, f- let's, fireworks. Play, let's play those real quick and then i got some funny stories about that party so you can find that all right so So this was the most insane private fireworks show I've ever seen. He spent about 20,000 on these fireworks. He had somebody wire them up. He lit one fuse and it was 12 minutes of the sky just being, it looked like a Gucci fireworks show. It was unbelievable. <clears throat> so while we're there though, my sister-in-law who's nominally Lutheran um, starts asking me questions again. Like, talking to me about a patient. So she's a sonogram technician and one of her patients starts talking to her and telling her she needs to watch countdown to the kingdom. We just interviewed Daniel O'Connor from countdown to the kingdom and telling my sister, look, she needs to watch. She, you don't understand. So my wife is a little tuned up and she's just like, Cassandra, you're going to be Catholic. I know it. (laughs) (laughs) I was dying rolling. This is, it's really strange because my brother-in-law, like uh, the last time I seen him, I, I've mentioned it that like he keeps asking me questions and stuff. So I gave him our channel name and he looks up our channel. And the first thing he sees is Michael Lofton criticizing our channel. It's like he looks up Avoiding Babylon and he comes across Michael Lofton. And then he comes and goes to our channel, watches our rebuttal. And he's like, he's like, yo, what is going on on your channel? I'm like, ah, it was a stupid thing. We wound up taking that video down, by the way. <clears throat> but he's curious enough that he's actually starting to watch some of the things on our channel. He had his neighbor come over and handed him a Catholic book and he started reading it. So I was talking to him and I'm like, I was, I, I, I said something to him about Judas and he was just like, wait, who's Judas? And I'm like, wait a minute. You like, you don't even know like the Christian he, he story. He doesn't even at all. get the basics. No, he doesn't even know like the basics of the Christian story, you know? So, <clears throat> He's like, um, he's like, and I, I don't even like, I have no idea. I'm like, all right, forget the book that guy gave you. I'm like, right. really go spend 45 minutes reading the gospel of Mark. I, that's what I said to him. I'm like, dude, you could literally pick up 
one of the gospels and you could get through it in an hour. Like mm -hmm. it'll take you an hour to read through one of the gospels. He's like, he's like, Oh, I wouldn't even know where to begin. So <clears throat> we're going first one. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to go away together. And when we go away together, I'm really going to just try to at least give him the basics of the Christian story, you know, because <clears throat> he's had like a, He's had like a lot of things happen over the past few months that have actually made him very curious. And he's been asking me questions like crazy. And it's like, it, it, he's not somebody who's like, like anti-Catholic. He's not even like, he's very curious about the whole, the whole story. But it just goes I, to show I, you like, God, I think we're going to see a lot of interest from people who are nominally Christian or maybe not Christian at all, but sense that there's something wrong in the world, whether it's with, you know, the, the alphabet issue or, or just other things. And they see that it, it is really only Christians standing up against this stuff with any sort of principle. And I think that alone is going to be enough to, to capture interest where they then want to find out more. So. Yeah. That's what I, I even said that in my talk, right? I was like, it's like the world is so upside down that in a way evangelization has never been easier. <clears throat> like people yeah. could just sense something is going haywire. Joe, what was your upbringing? Were you, uh, were you, are you a cradle Catholic? Yeah. Yeah. Cradle Catholic. Um, my, uh, I grew up with a single mother. She was always pretty as far as at least that I can remember. Always went to mass on Sundays. Uh, I went to Catholic school all the way through, which, Catholic school doesn't really yeah. speak much, <laughs> but uh, we started going to a more reverent type Novus Ordo in uh, when I was probably about 11 or 12. That's where I first encountered communion on the tongue or a little bit of Latin throughout or what a church looks like without a Novus Ordo altar. Um, so that was, uh, that was really once the tide started turning much more towards authentic Catholicism. So when did you start taking your faith seriously? And like, what made you jump into like Catholic media? Yeah. Catholic media where you're actually like taking your faith that seriously. Oh, geez. Well, I feel like I'm always not taking my faith seriously because I'm just such a crappy Catholic half the time. I mean, we all have that, that, uh, that take, but, uh, mm -hmm. um, honestly growing up, I owe a lot to church militant and, um, Michael Voris. Of course, I have nothing bad to say about them. But, uh, I, you know, I, I started going uh, to the One True Faith talks when I was 10, 9. And so we really started learning a lot more about the faith. Uh, I remember my mom and I, we used to get pizza from a local chain. I don't know if you guys have them out there, but Papa Romano's. And, uh, but uh, we would get our pizza and we'd sit down, we'd flip through TV. And I remember on Channel 13, it was Season 1, Episode 3 of the One True Faith and it was on hell. And I was nine at the time. And we both just sat and listened to it. And it was really good. And kind of the rest is history. I started working there, you know, on the summers or on the weekends and uh, all the way through for the most part, the summers, excuse me, in, uh, in college, I took a few summers off doing other work. But I've always been around it. I think that it was um, one thing that really showed me I always thought that, and I do believe that the faith is very much like an intellectual thing. You have to, you have to know in order to live a certain way. And, but at the same time, there's been a lot of great saints that 
weren't even allowed to become priests because they weren't very good at reading. They weren't very yeah. intelligent. Uh, Father Solanus Casey is now a blessed. He was up here in uh, in Detroit. He was a doorman because they all thought he was just so so dumb. And uh, but he's a blessed. So it's kind of uh, interesting when you think about. Sure, you have to know the faith really well, but at the same time, if you don't have an emotional and virtuous appreciation of the faith and the virtue of course comes from the knowledge, but it's a lot of the will. Um, it really, it really means nothing at the same time. So for me, you know, I would say that I really started taking the faith seriously. was when I had my, uh, my little girl, I was, I had two more semesters left in college. And I found out that my ex-girlfriend was pregnant and, uh, it was like a light switch, you know, this idea that, a lifeguard can't help other people from drowning unless he himself can swim. Well, it's the same thing with your children as a father. You can't help them get to heaven or your spouse get to heaven, which are your jobs as a father or as a husband or a mother and, or, and a wife, unless you yourself have the tools and are practicing to do so yourself. And that was huge for me. I'm holding this little girl and I'm thinking, <laughs> time to clean it up, you know? Yeah. Not to get yeah. all on the train wreck episode of all episodes. A, a lot, a lot of people have that experience. So, Rob, you had something similar, right? When you when your yeah. kids were born. Yeah, I mean, I had been more or less not practicing for a decade. Still believed it all intellectually, but uh, it was just easier to live, you know, live like the rest of the world. And yeah, when when we got pregnant with um, with Maddie, it was it was a wake up call to say the least. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Anthony. No, no, no. Go ahead. You go. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. It's, yeah. it's all about it's all about mothers. It's all about parents raising up that next generation. Yeah, I remember when my son was born. I remember holding him and being like so like like it was the weirdest thing. Like for my firstborn, it was like a new consciousness just came into being. It was just such a trip for me. <clears throat> but even that didn't set me off like completely. Like it, it took, it still took a few more years. And, but I, so like my wife, I, my, I had my, my first child out of wedlock also. And, uh, you know, people, people can think what they want from it, but it's it, whatever it is that leads you to start taking your faith seriously. It's what leads you to, you know, God, God uses whatever means he does for us. So, um, then, uh, what other videos we got, Rob? Let's, let's, <laughs> what do you say? Nothing, Nothing leads, leads broken, broken men, men towards God like children. Yeah. Steubenville beach ball Christian rock music is a close second. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want. You know, oh, that, oh, that, that's what I actually wanted to, um, I wanted to touch on something with, uh, with the liturgy. Um, man, what was it? So we don't you have, we don't have any other videos. FYI. Okay, that's fine. We have the we have the two articles that we're going to touch on, though. So, yeah. All right, but no. Uh, all right. So, Joe, did you ever uh, come across? Like, did you did you ever attend a traditional mass during this time or anything? Or, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I definitely i I served at the TLM when I was in high school. Uh, uh, every now and then, it was either the TLM or I would do this the very reverent Novus Ordo, and then. I would go every now and then at college as well, but 
even when I would go to the Nova Sordo, I would go downtown Steubenville at St. Peter's just because the tuna can of a church on Franciscan's campus was just insufferable. It's just insufferable. Where did you go to college? Did you go to, did you go to yeah. uh, Franciscan? I went to Steubenville. So took me a while. about but the crack houses? What crack houses? <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. All right. So, all right. So wait, I want to, I want to dive into this a little. So you, you yeah. went to Steuben, you went to Franciscan. Yeah, what did, I did. What did you, what did you major in? Clinical psychology. And this actually ties into, <coughs> excuse me, what we were talking about earlier, you know, if I had it my way, oh, I love psychology. Actually, in fact, if I had done it differently, I would have done um, my, oh my gosh. We might have a full-time position for you here with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we can't pay you anything, but oh, we can definitely man. use a psychologist. <laughs> I would have gone more into research. My, uh, my, my thesis was on the uh, influences of subjectively pleasing music on, uh, on the chemicals within the brain. Ooh. I love that stuff. I could just, I, I had a, a professor there, Dr. Samut. I would pick his brain after, after class and he would give me these neuroscience books for their masters or from his master's classes. And just so he stays up on it and all of his research. And uh, man, if I could just be given a million, maybe $2 million grant and left alone in a lab, that'd be way better. You, <laughs> but, you should you know, talk to, uh, to Flanders. I was just going to say that his theory on music. Ooh. shamanistic music i've yeah. heard is he the guy that wrote the book about how different melodies are actually immoral no 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 but okay. i'm sure he holds that thesis though but um he even talked about how arius during the arian heresy arius knew people couldn't read back then so he actually wrote songs like pop songs of the mm -hmm. time to, to distort people's understanding of christianity like and let me tell you something like you don't realize how much of an effect music has on the populace, man. Like you really think about, you think about hip hop culture, like hip hop culture has entranced people and made them throw God out the window and become gangster rap. Uh, you know, it's just, you look at what has happened to that. The, the gangster rapper of, of Catholicism, <laughs> <laughs> the Catholic gangster rapper. No, but like you really look at hip hop culture, it's really scary what that has done to the black community. I mean, it's like it's it's a scary thing and how much it has uprooted people's morals. And you think about some of the some of the garbage they put in their lyrics and the women just talking about sleeping around, and it's really oh, horrific it's what it's done. You know, I uh, I back in high school, I um or in high school, sorry. When I was finishing up college, second half, um, I started working on creating this music application uh, that had a couple of different unique features. And uh, the um, I, I started actually moving it along. I taught myself some prototyping software. I'm reading more and more into the uh, the industry on the financial side of music. What would it take to you know pay the artists you know in a manner that's a lot better than what your typical royalty fees are, or at least were at the time, still are bad. And it got to a point where I was speaking with um, one of the business advisors for Snoop Dogg. And um, so we're talking and she, she let me know that Snoop Dogg and a couple of other older rappers were looking to invest in some, uh, allegedly, uh, uh, 
allegedly looking to put some money into a type of platform that supports artists who rap about things that are not drugs, sex, and violence. And kind of almost like this, not entirely like, you know, come to Jesus moment, but this idea of, wow, we really did a lot of bad things for our community by encouraging them. I mean, look at six, nine or half of the rappers that are in court because, and their music is being used against them as evidence. But it's a, it is kind of interesting. You're totally right. It, the, the rhythm and everything, it forms a sense of community, but man, oh man, those lyrics are horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. Yeah. There was like a movement when me and Enoch were kids <clears throat> towards like intellectual hip hop, you know, like there was, it was more like subgenre. It wasn't mainstream. Mainstream was always the money and things like that. But there was like the, you know, they had like, um, they had rap that was more intellectual. It was Thomistic more about rap. It wasn't Thomistic <laughs> quite, but Enoch will know what I'm talking about. We're gonna have to do a show, me and Enoch, one day on the hip hop that we listen to as kids. But um, yeah, it's just I, I, you just re- you really understand like how much of an influence music has over people. I see it with my own you, my own kids. He, you guys should try to get Father Stan on for that show. Enoch's gonna see Father Stan. I know that's why you should try to get him. I really would love to do because if I Father Stan, I'm not even sure if he remembers me, but I know he'll remember my father. I know he'll remember because he used to be at my my father's house. Uh, Anthony Knowledge and Underground Hip Hop is very impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me and Enoch have a lot of uh, (laughs) a lot of a lot of similar. Domestic rap. <laughs> Father Father Lovell, I don't think would tune in for that. So show. Fa- Father Stan, <laughs> Father Stan used to make music with my father in my garage as a kid. Like they my dad had a studio in his garage and they would come over and they would jam out in my father's studio. It was like I'm wondering if Joe knows who we're even talking about. Do you know Father Stan, Joe? No. Father Stan Fortuna. Oh man, Joe, you're young. When when you get <laughs> off this show, look up um uh, everybody, everybody got, got everybody suffer. got to suffer and uh, sell ninety one. You the only one that got to suffer. <laughs> everybody got to suffer. It's a good song, bro. <laughs> I remember buying that CD at at, at the Steubenville conference I went to because Father yeah. Stan Father Stan was the headliner. Yeah, I mean, listen, that, that was a big thing back then, though, right? Like, listen to me. You can say whatever you want about like that whole thing, but like, I'm telling you, I know. Uh, I know the 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 Friars of the Renewal. They're in the South Bronx. Those guys rescued tons of kids off the street, man. Like those guys took kids off the street and put them in, like um, like made them men. They would take them out to the country and just like show you know show them a life they never would have experienced if they hadn't met these men. And they would take them out and they would you know they like living in a living in the house that they had for these kids. Like this was all for like you know for youth that were going on the wrong down the wrong road. They'd wake these kids up 5 a.m. They'd have to go out. They'd have to start working. They'd put them on a farm, make them till the property. Um, Don says back in his day, they had real music. <laughs> oh, by, by the way, to uh, Enoch earlier, he said Father Ripper's book. I'm about a quarter of the way through it. The big old 800 page book. Say- that's impressive because it's like 250 yeah, pages. You got you read like a paragraph. You got to sit down, have a beer, then get back at it. <laughs> Spe- speaking of uh, books, uh, Charles Fraun just sent Rob and I both a copy of his new book. We're going to get him on soon. He's awesome. Shout out yeah. to Dr. Charles Franny. Yeah. So he just sent is Rob. It, is oh, it pronounced Franny? Franny. Okay. Franny? Yeah. He's never going to be called Franny by me. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm going to mispronounce it on purpose at this point. <laughs> I can be wrong. No, he's, uh, he's really cool. His book, Slaying Dragons, is awesome. So yeah, he sent me he sent me Slaying Dragons and his new book. I think it's Return of the, the Occult, right, Rob? Rise it? of the Occult. Slaying Dragons the occult. to the Rise of the Occult. Uh, so Slaying Dragons is there, and Rise of the Occult is right here. So I'm going to try and read as much as I can. Maybe we'll get Ooh, him on Friday. That, he, that second one, that, that looks a lot thicker than the first. Oh, it's a lot thicker. Very nice. We call it Fronny Friday. Slaying Dragons. Fronny Friday. I like it. A little mini book compared to that one. So. I was going to say, because I. No, go ahead, Rob. I was going to say, I read I read his first one. I have his first one. And that was maybe like a 90 minute read. That one looks a little bit more hefty. Yeah, it is a little hefty. So we're going to get him on. Then we were supposed to get uh, Joshua Charles on Friday. And he's editing a book, and he is his deadline is Friday, so we're, he's not going to make it on Friday. So Friday we have that slot open. Maybe we'll see if Charles Franny wants to make it. Um, but if not, we're going to have Michael Hitchborn and Joshua Charles on on Tuesday. So I I I had so when Joshua canceled on me, he he grabbed Tuesday the eleventh to replace it, and then Michael Hitchborn texted me this morning and he goes, "Hey, I have the eleventh open if you want to do the eleventh. So I could have either pushed Joshua off or those guys know each other. So. I think it'll be an interesting show. And I figured we like, um, so Josh was like, well, why don't you just have Michael on? Michael can do, you know, Michael, I mean, he's Michael Hitchborn, the Lepanto Institute. I mean, he's got a million things, but the thing is everybody interviews Michael Hitchborn about the Lepanto Institute and the work that he's doing there. I had an amazing conversation with Michael Hitchborn that had nothing to do with the Lepanto Institute. And I want to get Michael on just to talk. I'm like, dude, we'll call it blue collar eschatology. Like that's what I want to get both of them on. And I want to just talk off the cuff about what is going on in the church right now. Like Joe, what do you, what is, how do you make sense of the current pontificate of the, of, of Francis? Yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you make sense? Or of like just Francis or like state of the church as well, the state of the church in general. How about that? Like, how do you, how do you, because I just spoke to, um, I just spoke to a guy named Eric who's doing a, a pro-life documentary and he asked me to be part of the documentary. So we're trying to work it out where I could get, he could set the interview up for me, but he's a convert and he came in two Easter's ago and I was like, wow, like I'm, I'm still like, he came amazed. in a year after the church shut itself down for Easter. crazy. Right. Like wow. you think about that, like even Joshua Charles comes in Easter 2020. Yeah. Like, think about that. No, no, no. He came in Easter 2019. So his, mm -hmm. his, he comes in Easter no, he, 2019. He came in right after. So his first Easter in the church was 2020, was lockdown. COVID. Yeah. Lockdown, right? So it's like, you really think like God is like, I just think it's amazing that God still draws people to his church in times like this. It's like, I would, like, if I wasn't a cradle Catholic, I don't know how I would handle it. So how, how do you, how do you, make sense of what's going on right now joe do you mind if i say just one really cool thing about charles ronnie real quick of course sure. go for it when i was at church militant my role was head of their activist arm resistance we ended up growing it from a dormant 800 900 to just under seven thousand before i left over like two and a half years three years it was really awesome and part of that was you'd have your States, we, we structured it based off of similar to that of the USCCB. Why? Because primary actions of the resistance focused around the corruption within the church. 
And we had um, every chapter was a diocese or an archdiocese, depending on the size of the archdiocese. Sometimes we'd break them down into smaller ones. But uh, uh, Charles was will, uh, gave a virtual talk and gave some of his time free of charge just to share his thoughts on the you know, the aspects of the spiritual warfare, just with the, a group of Catholics that want to do their part in fighting the culture and saving souls. And you know, that always stuck out to me, just the fact that he said, nah, I'll, no problem. I'll hop on a call. I'll, I'll video chat with you guys for an hour. No problem. That was always just really, really cool. So he, he's just a down to earth guy. Had the pleasure of interviewing him when I was at Church Militant. And uh, yeah, just serious shout out to him. But um, the culture, huh? Uh, what's my take on it? Oh, geez. I don't know. It feels like how, how much time do we have? But uh, well, I guess it depends on how how well I'm doing, Anthony. But um, <laughs> so wait, wait, just wait. You guys have to explain that joke. So in the green room, Joe asked me, he goes, how long is this show? You're like, oh, well, it's between an hour and an hour and a half. And if you suck as a guest, it'll be an hour. If, it, if you're doing good, it'll go an hour and a half. <laughs> so um, I think that the the culture's done for in a lot of ways. It's just it's just done for. Um, I have a really good uh, former, really good friend of mine. We don't really talk anymore, but he and I were chopping it up and he's of goodwill for the most part. I've seen him kind of slip away and slip away, slip away. And we're talking about everything. And, and, you know, I have this fervor and this fire and this sense of urgency, which I, I still have. And, um, and on the days I don't, I force myself to have it as every Catholic should try to do. I hope, I hope that's what every Catholic should do or else I'm doing something wrong. But he just said, but what is there to do? Like, what do you do about it, man? And it really just kind of clicked for me because that was a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine. We're just out having a beer, called each other up when we got off of work and decided to hang out good buddies. And that's a guy who smokes all the time, plays games all the time, goes out and drinks on the weekends. There's no, there's no desire to change the culture, which is why I don't think there could ever be enough of these, of these Catholic or at least conservative podcasts, because it might seem like a glutted market, but when you look at how many lost sheep there are, people need to really, really wake up. But the, as long as you have pot being legalized, which some argue it's not a um, uh, psychologically uh, addictive drug, well, habitually, and speaking to lifestyle, it certainly is. And um, when you have video games, and pornography. Oh my gosh. Uh, all of these different things, the party lifestyle and the generations ahead, I don't see any really big hope for the culture. Of course, always have the supernatural hope. Always pray that every soul that dies does not suffer damnation. But when you look at how many people don't know anything or know something and choose to not care, which we talked about earlier, Rob, it's it's really tough. And that was one reason why, again, when I was at resistance, I kind of came to this conclusion for the motto of restoring Christendom, big lofty goal. How do you ever do that? One soul at a time. You can do one soul at a time. You can go from your neighbor across the street to your aunt Lucy at Thanksgiving dinner to your coworker when you see them nine to five and eventually go and go and go. So in theory, you can go from one soul to another soul, to another soul, to another soul. But the end goal is when you look at the onslaught that's happening today, it's really scary. You know, what's funny. It's like, we, we talk about like all the 
insanity in the church. And I've never seen more conversions in my life than I have in the last couple of years. True that. Like all my siblings coming back to the faith. My sister, Michelle, like, dude, my sister, Michelle, just went through a crazy divorce. Like uh, she, she was like really going through like a very, there was a very wide chasm between Catholicism and my sister. She, she believed in God. She had a, you know, she loved her Bible, but there was a very big chasm between the Catholic faith and my sister because she just went through a divorce and she knows what the church is teaching on divorces. And I think there was like a barrier there for her. Two weeks ago, my sister calls me on the phone. She just went to a Novus Ordo mass and she was like, everything just felt wrong at this mass. And you know what part she had the hardest time with Rob was Adorientum or lack versus populum versus populum. She just, it just, it was so difficult for her to grasp. Why is this priest facing us? So she's like, I don't even, you know, I could like, I think if she had found an ad orientum novus ordo, she would have been okay, but something was irking her about this versus populum mass so much so that she calls me and she's like, I need to go to a Latin mass. The past two Sundays, she's been coming to Latin mass with me. And she's like, it's so funny. I'm watching my sister who like, really, when I tell you a chasm between Catholicism and and her life, veiling at mass, bringing her kids back to mass. Like I'm seeing miracles. Like I haven't seen on the small scale. Like, yeah. Okay. The church is going through its passion and people are falling away from the faith. But when I see my siblings coming back to mass, like uh, my heart lights up. Like I'm like, this is amazing. You know, my mom has, has started to talk about coming back and she's been away for 20 years. So that's amazing. Like you really, I'm telling you, things are so upside down in the world right now. And I think, look, there's, there's, I think I forgot what scripture it is, but in in the apocalypse, God talks about sending his angels out to gather his flock. Like, you know, it's like things are going to get crazy. And I think God really is pouring out grace on individuals, even though we're seeing the hierarchy go down this horrific synodality road and we know that nothing good can come of synodality but in in on the small scale and in the micro in the micro aspect of things i am seeing a lot of conversions and, I, and like i said my my brother and sister-in-law who were nominally lutheran would go to church just because like i think a lot of people in in our culture go to church for heaven insurance Right. Like they go like they don't know anything about the gospel, but it's like, well, just in case I'm going to go to I'm going to go to church for heaven insurance. Like, I really think a lot of people do that. And for those for my brother in law and sister in law to really be asking deeper questions and being curious, like I like to me, I don't see any other explanation other than God's grace in that scenario. Can I, may, may I jump in? Well, I don't uh, ever have to ask, Joe. You can talk over me. Just, just tell Anthony in. to shut up. Yeah, tell me to shut up. <laughs> just jump in. You don't ever have to ask. Sorry, sorry, sorry. In, in fact, Father Lovell was telling me that the other day. That was my <laughs> his criticism for me is that I, I ask people for permission to speak. Um, but uh, I, I don't think that things like that. Well, so as I'm listening to you, Anthony, and you, Rob, there's this. Uh, you know, the traditional Catholic and the traditionally Catholic, the traditional Catholic mass they don't change. They're always beholden in the truth because it's the fullness of the truth. So as the world goes to shit, 
shoot stuff. Sorry. Hopefully, sorry. That's <laughs> no, um, fine. Uh, <laughs> as the world goes to hell in a handbasket, the the stalwart Catholic or the Catholic who's trying to maintain orthodoxy and the Latin Mass, which is tradition and the fullness of the faith in the Mass, uh, those don't change. And so when you have people practicing it, you're going to see people who are out in the world going, wow, this really sucks. Like, holy crap. What, what, is Target really selling tucking underwear right now to little boys? <laughs> and then they- Wait, who's the, doing this? Target. Um, are they really? Oh, tucking. Yeah, I think he said talking. Tucking. I'm like, no, no, talking no. underwear? What? Oh, tucking. All right. That would be better than How tucking. I say talking underwear is not as bad. Talking underwear. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> well, they see right. that and they, they just like think like they look for something that's true or good or something that resonates with what's written on all of our hearts. And then they turn and they look to their family members, to their Robs or to their Anthonys and to what they practice or to what they grew up with. They try to find something that seems normal. and um. That's, that's the, uh, that's the saving grace. I, and I, I, I hate when I hear these, uh, and I'm genuinely not speaking about anyone in particular when I hate, I hate when I hear, or when I see Catholic nonprofits, Catholic media outlets, or people who work there, they don't go to the Latin mass because they're smart enough. Boy, are they intelligent enough to have the objective understanding that the traditional ass has a capability to provide a better spiritual life for everybody who's attending. Um, and when they say, Oh, you know, the Latin mass is it's okay, but it's not for me. I hate seeing those two things because it's it, people just choose, choose to miss the mark. The faith or the mass on Sunday is the one hour where people should never say, ah, you know, I just don't get anything out of it. That's the one hour, all the way looking at the 10 commandments back, back at the Amish times where it was, give <laughs> god you you give you, you want to know what's funny about that though like you know how like we as catholics we say it's not about what you get like you're going to the mass you're not it's not about what you get and it's not about your feelings right but like there is feelings at the mass right like i do feel totally something at the traditional mass that i don't feel at the novus ordo now i understand like we're not going for the feelings but there's something striking about the traditional mass. Mass of the ages might need to steal Joe Gallagher. Oh, okay. Um, wait, no. So wait. All right. So um, Italian feast, the St. Paulinus, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. It should, it should be. That's actually a good idea. It's on Sunday. So I've gone to. Um, uh, they have the. What feast is it? Um, oh man, uh, San. I've gone to a couple of feasts in Brooklyn. Uh, with feasts, it's not, they have the St. Anthony feast, of course, but no, there's another one. I forget what it is. Oh, so, I forget. so there's a couple, yeah. Sorry, guys, I didn't mean to kill the show. Uh, but it's on Sunday, it's in Williamsburg. Maybe I will pop in on that. Uh, uh that's not a bad idea. So, um, he'll be repping his AB shirt. All right, so wait, do you follow me on Twitter? If you follow me on Twitter, shoot me a DM. Which, which shirt, the one that says Italy isn't real on the back? No, I'd maybe not suggest that one. one. Look at this one. This badge, badass shirt that my son made me. Um, so, yeah, it's like it's this weird thing where, like, we always say it's like it's not about feelings and it's not about what you get. But there's something strange where I do feel something in the traditional mass that I don't feel in the Novus Ordo. And is that bad? Like, no, oh, that's, that's, the, that's San Gennaro Fest. San Gennaro Fest. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
No, that that's that shows how loving God is. That even when we're supposed to give for just one hour out of whatever seven times twenty four is one hundred and six sixty eight forty eight seven times twenty four. Yeah, 168 hours in a week. He just asks for one. Even in that one hour, you still get things back like those con- those uh, consolation graces. Or when you go to Mass and you give for that one hour, he gives you himself. All this, this eternal being <laughs> that created you and holds the entire universe together gives himself to you in return for you choosing to give yourself for one hour. And that's yeah. so beautiful. That's talk, talk about a beautiful picture of how much God loves mankind. Sorry. That, yeah, that's the, the difference in, in Catholic grace and Protestant grace, like so Protestants would say grace is undeserved favor, which is true. Right. I mean, sure. Grace is undeserved favor, but it's it's it doesn't go nearly far enough. Grace is God gives himself. Like that, that is what grace is. Like God gives himself, like when Jesus says, if you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Like the life he gives you is himself. It's it's just such a, a deeper, richer understanding of grace than, than a Protestant would have. I agree. You know, I think that, yeah, Martin Luther called it and we're all dung, but covered in gold and grace is the gold. But I, forgive me for using like a really crappy example and I can shut up. Just tell me when, but I look at like, we're a cup. And, you know, we are also what the cup holds, but, you know, grace is transformative and we have to purge ourselves of all of the filth that's in the cup. Um, hopefully I'm not being heretical because I know it's not 100% accurate for the theological descriptions, but it's, uh, you know, you we'll, have we'll to hear it in the comments if, if you're a heretic. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Let we, me know we, had, we had Daniel O'Connor on the other day and um, we were talking about Protestant, like the Protestants, like you were saying, like. I'm dung covered in the gold of Christ, right? Um, Protestant heaven is, is communist. Yeah, I, I have this banner ready at all times, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This might be heresy. Hey, um, so, like, Protestant heaven is communist. It's like, okay, so, like, they 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 view it as, like, you're wearing a members-only jacket. So yeah. when you go when you go into heaven, God doesn't see you but sees his son because you're wearing the cloak of Christ almost, right? right? They, have, they have no theology of theosis at all. No theology of theosis. They have no understanding of the kingdom. A kingdom has a hierarchy, right? Like there's, there's, you know, when Jesus says like, do this and you'll build treasure in heaven, like you actually are, there will be a hierarchy in heaven. Like when you compare yourself, it's crazy when, Protestants talk about Mary and they don't understand like she will be infinitely more beautiful and like more bright than any of us will. Like there's not even a comparison and they just don't get it. Yeah. More tickers. What's tickers? More tickers. What I just had scrolling. Father Lovell says Joe hates them. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I do. I don't like tickers. Well, I don't like tickers that are trying to feed real-time information. I guess, you know, technically, Father, we can't get it's that. It's distracting. Program. Well, yeah, it does take away from what the people are saying. Um, well, but luckily, I, we don't say anything of substance, so tickers aren't going to take away from anything here. <laughs> Unless it's heretical. <laughs> <laughs> this might be heresy. we got some other tickers, too. Rob's got, Rob's got someone I go for marriage advice, right? What are some of the other ones we got? <laughs> I don't support anything Anthony is saying. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Don't listen to Anthony. We are not responsible for your marriage problems. I love giving marriage advice. 
<laughs> oh man. See, we have we have a history on this channel. All right, should we get to the Google story, Rob? Uh sure, let me bring it up here. Let's get quick. to the Google story. <laughs> so this one was interesting. Um Google drops Pride Month. Uh, I know Pride Month is over, but Google drops Pride Month drag show in wake of employee petition alleging religious bias. This is how we fight back, people. Do we want to make a bet, though, on what religion it was protesting this? It was Christians. Oh, was it really? It was Christians. Yeah, I was so, assuming another one. So Google has found itself in the midst of a controversy after deciding to cancel a drag show that the company planned as the closing event for Pride Month. According to CNBC, the decision came after an internal petition was circulated by a group of employees who opposed it, claiming religious discrimination. So the petition signed by several hundred employees argued that the drag performance sexualized and disrespected Christian co-workers, ultimately accusing Google of religious bias. Every year, Google sponsors a range of pride events in various locations, including San Francisco, that are open to both employees and the public. According to the event's now-removed internal description, this year's closing event was intended to be a pride and drag show featuring a famous performer. I wouldn't even say it. I'm not going to. Peaches... And the last name is our saviors. So who was supposed to perform at blank Barbo in San Francisco Tuesday. When the employee petition started circulating, the event was discreetly removed from the internal company events page. Google acknowledged the change to CNBC and clarified that the performance was no longer considered a Google recognized uh, diversity, equity and inclusion event. Like, okay, so if you saw it with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Mm hmm. These are not just random things. This is like every time they do it, they are mocking Christianity, right? So like, how can you not have a ground to stand on when you as a Christian come? And so, all right. So one of my, one of my family members works for a company like this and they sent them a questionnaire and they had to answer this questionnaire and it was all about pride month and do you support this and do you do, do you feel comfortable sharing your personal beliefs publicly so my my family member wrote no i don't because if they shared their private beliefs as a christian they would be ostracized right but the thing is just like you saw at google when one person does something alone, they may get ostracized. But if you get a couple of people together, then you start getting some momentum. And then, and then you start. It is, I think the reason why this succeeded is that they, they made use of the fact that religion, in terms of uh, workplace law, is a protected class. So when you start to allege uh, discrimination due to religion, then suddenly Google opens itself up to a ton of legal liability. Whereas, you know, as far as other protests or petitions we may have seen when they just maybe say something about family values or something like that. Well, there's, there's no, there's a lot less legal liability involved with something like that. So I I think it's, I think we have to be smart about how we play it and, and going the religious discrimination route was a good idea. Yeah. Well, you're looking at it, especially when they're mocking something specifically Christian, right? Like when you see the, 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 like nothing appalled me more than those sisters of perpetual indulgence, like especially having a sister going into religious life. Like it just, there was something so gross about 
that that really like I, I've never been so offended by something blasphemous like that. Like it was blasphemous what they were doing. Like, and it really set me off to want to go and do something about it. But if you get a group of people together, you'll actually inspire other people. And it's like mimetic desire works both ways. It could work in where, where, you know, where you could, I mean, that's, that's how, uh, what's it? Who does, who, who came up with the mimetic desire thing? Well, you mean like who was on our channel talking about it a lot? Well, no, it was Patrick Coffin, but who was he telling us to, um, do you remember? Well, either way, it, it, he was saying like, so it's the reason that the the crowd cheers, crucify him, crucify him is because nobody wants to stand out and be the lone person all on their on their own going against the crowd. Everybody kind of just wants to fit in. But if you get a group of people, Rene Girard, Rene Girard, there you go. So what if you get a, a couple of people to set that trend, other people will join it because people feel comfort when there's more than one person doing it. I just wonder if how much I look at, you can see, or at least so for as long as I've been aware of politics, the left and the culture wars, really, I should say instead, culture wars, uh, the left will like take three steps knowing that that third step is going to be too much of poking the bear yeah. and it'll settle on two. Like look at uh, look, the, the, game the shifting of the, the Overton window, basically. Yeah. Pretty much, and that's how they do it. You know, the gay marriage comes out in 2015. Immediately, one year later, if if that, we're having this bathroom thing about trans. It wasn't yep. okay then, but now here we are. Just give it five years, and I I look at what's happened with the drag queen thing too. Before, I mean, if the drag queen situation was showing was going on with kids in 2010, there'd be some people accepting it for sure, but people would be up in arms about it. Now it is to the point where Christians are only going to come out in force and in mass if it directly attacks their faith. Yeah. And that's the, um, that's what's scary. How many, how many of those uh, people at Google would have said, yeah, let's circulate a petition if it wasn't that peaches man doing what he's doing. Very if, true. if it was just, you know, peaches Jones, yeah. What would, would people really care? And also to your point, Rob, I think that was really a, a really astute point. Google probably wouldn't have responded because it wouldn't have touched the religious discrimination thing as directly. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are making a big thing out of <clears throat> the pushback that Pride Month got this year. Like everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, the Bud Light thing happened. And there was so much pushback on the rainbow agenda this Pride Month. But I almost felt like they were setting us up. Like, I felt like they were just setting us up to make us look like bigots. And they're going to come back even harder and just set it up so Ooh. that we are. Look what evil. happened right at the end of the month. Michigan passed a, a law, more or less, you know, getting rid of the First Amendment, saying that uh, any, more or less, any, um, any bad mouthing of, of the alphabet cult will, is a crime. Yeah, yeah that'll never hold up. 43 or 34. Yeah, I forget what it is. That'll never hold up. That'll make its way. That'll make. I know what you're saying. Yeah, like that's that's what they do, right? Like they, like you're saying, a hundred percent. Like they're now instituting laws that if you misgender somebody or something, that'll never hold up in a court of law. Once you get to this, uh, not under this Supreme Court. I mean, who knows? It'll happen. You know, with with a new new crop, or if they expand it, but. 
the but I just think that they are setting us up to like they they found a way to make Christianity evil in their in their view. They they found a way to make us the ones who don't love and us the ones who don't who don't like we're we're the evil bigots now. I was gonna say, and did we really have any actual victories this last month? Oh yay, we can't drink Bud Light anymore. <laughs> who cares? Like I mean, you know there there. It was an improvement, maybe, but there were no real victories, no long-lasting, long-term victories. It just drew that line that much further in this country that, you know, that's eventually going to drive the country apart, which is a good, in my opinion, probably a good thing, but. I don't know, man. I see civil war on the horizon. Well, that was my question. You know, I mean, at what when you look at communism and <laughs> socialism or Antifaism, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like a 12-year-old. I can't help it. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, that's a funny line, bro. <laughs> what, what, um, when you, like, relativism, you can't reason with them because their truth is whatever they want their truth to be. It's subjective. Right. So at that point, the truth of the land can only come about after a power struggle. Right. A violent power struggle. If and if uh, you you see, it's I already. I want to point happening. out that we're at a, we're at an hour and six. So Joe did not stink as a guest tonight. Doing good, Joe. Just, just want I just want to point that out. You got. We made it past <laughs> the one hour mark. Joe's doing great today. <laughs> oh man, but uh, thanks, guys. It's I've had actually a really great time. Have me on anytime. Um, but you're uh, always we, welcome, man. Of course, it was, dude. Uh, I, I think like um, I th- I think that so I watched um uh. Uh, Tim Flanders and the guys over at Meaning a Catholic did a Fourth of July show, and they were they went they went through and they were talking about like uh, what are you grateful for this Fourth and 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 that was really good. I almost got the sense like I'm not even kidding. This felt like creepily eerily like, like this could one? be our last Fourth of July, dude. Okay, you inter- interrupted Joe though, so now Joe gets to finish. <laughs> Ra's my favorite, I swear. Ra's <laughs> everyone's favorite, dude. You know, you're not shocking me. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. Every mother loves their child differently. Um, I didn't call myself a mother there, so let's just get <laughs> over that. But I, I do. I think I think that there, there's a violence thing on the horizon. And, and for a, a Catholic, the, the question that hasn't really been brought into the, the public sphere uh, is – is it always just going to be self-defense in a reactionary form when it comes to dealing with the Antifa types or when it comes to dealing with, uh, with people attacking the pro-life clinics? I, um, I'm not advocating for some type of moral violence where people get you know, killed and they can't meet their maker unless, again, of course, it was you had to defend yourself and you're in a life or death situation. But you look at an abortion mill. And we reason to believe that women go in there and murder their children. And the best we can do is drive by and mm-hmm. say, Hail Mary. We should. Prayer is very powerful. Our Lady's intercession is huge. But that's the best that we can do, even though 40 years ago, people were out in Kansas handcuffing themselves to each other, thousands lying on the ground, shutting down abortion mills risking going to jail. I mean, the closest thing we have to that today is Red Rose Rescue with Monica Miller. People are being murdered and we, it just, it seems like 
so much of conservative and Catholic activism is so toothless. And of course there's the chess piece and there's some prudence they have to play, but I don't know. It's just a question. It's just a question I have. Yeah. It's a topic I'd love to really get into, but it would, Oh man, we'd be kicked off of YouTube for good. So fast. Some of the things I'd want to say. I think that there's no way you'll ever heal a like there's no way you'll ever be able to unify this country again. You're talking about people who disagree on such a fundamental level of right and wrong. You're talking about people who think that sending children for surgeries is a good thing as opposed to the most evil thing you could possibly i mean you're talking about like if we if you took this conversation back 20 years some of these parents would be put in prison their children would be taken away from them we should be in prison so i watched somebody said something the other day i think calvin robinson retweeted it it was a video of a, a woman saying yeah i know what you're talking about the reason you're getting so much pushback right now is because there are parents who let their children do this and for them to admit that what they did was wrong, they'll would, never be able to admit it to themselves. They can't. Right. It would destroy they, them. They need to justify this decision they need they made to help their child in this thing. So that the, the reason you'll never get anyone who's gone through this to ever admit it's the same thing with um with with the with the abortion issue, right? It's like for a woman, there's two ways that could go. The, a woman can have a, a, a moment of grace where God softens her heart and she has an absolute repentance moment. But the other is double down and be proud of your thing. Like, right. Like they, they have that, like shout your abortion. Like they, they go to that extreme because for them to admit that what they did was wrong is so unbelievably alien to, to con- what, what are you laughing at? What Father Lovell. What did he say? <laughs> Joe, stop picking at your eyes. He's sick. <laughs> He's just trying to distract. Dude, when, when Eric Sammons does a show, I pop comments in to try to, to try to make him break, like to try uh, to get him to laugh. <laughs> Father Lovell's just basically doing what I do. Yeah, I, I think w- the difference between like abortion regret and in regret with the trans issue is is one like that's in the, as far as abortion goes, it's in the past. That child and it's over is it's gone. gone it's over, right? The um, so they don't have to keep re-justifying it to themselves yeah. the way a parent whose child is in the next room sleeping um, and is still going through it has to do. And at the same time, with the abortion, you know, it was it was a moment. It could have been a momentary decision, a momentary mistake. Yeah. Whereas with the trans issue, it's it's something that parent is deciding every single day to continue to give the kids drugs that's castrating them and you know all this stuff it's such a weird thing because they're using the christian impulse to show empathy right which is a good thing <laughs> yeah simons was dressed properly for the conference but i got more views than him on my video <laughs> for the record anthony's been checking multiple times a day to make sure that's still oh, true as long as i get more than eric i don't care i don't care if i got 17 views as long as eric got 16 i'm happy that's all that matters to me he's he's my mortal enemy like forever that man 
me and him are enemies until the end of time. Van Anthony from conferences until he dresses. Or until, uh, or until Eric goes geriatric and senile, which is probably pretty soon. He is my mortal enemy. Him and I will never be friends. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, dude, it was so funny. When we, when we went out to dinner, he goes, listen, did you ever see, um, it, it's, uh, oh, who's the, Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon. They're friends in real life, but but they have this thing going where they pretend they hate each other. And like Jimmy Kimmel will never have Matt Damon on his show. And like whenever he's brought up, he's like, oh, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. But in real life, they're actually friends. Eric's like, I, I really think we should go with that route because I don't, <laughs> don't want to be on your show anymore. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a sicko. I'm going to kill him. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, um, okay. So they're using the Christian impulse for empathy, right? Like, which is a good impulse. Like, it's always good to like try to put yourself in another person's shoes and try to try to be empathetic to them. But they're taking it to this level that's so twisted that they want us to say it's okay to do these things, and it's just it's just preposterous. It's like to stand to 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 care for an individual is one thing, but to to bless the entire movement is something totally different. So yeah. like my, you know, I know gay people in my real life. Like I would never be cruel to that person. But when we're talking about the movement in general, that that's a very different thing than dealing with an individual on an individual basis. I think that the, the emotional response is correct on both sides. I feel for that person. I recognize their pain. I want to help them. Yeah. The liberals idea is let's further the pain by satisfying them immediately. It's, it's vice, you know, the, the vicious person says, all right, well, let's just help you now. Whereas the virtuous person, the Catholic stance is, okay, it's going to be a long, crappy, sucky, painful road, but this is what's better for you to fight those impulses. And um, I, I had that conversation. I have a, I have a cousin. She uh, just graduated. Um, she just graduated high school and Every time I just saw her uh, this past weekend, and I, I gave her a hug, and I just said, "How's my little SJW doing?" And you know, we're just <laughs> we go back and forth about it. But I told her, "Liberal, uh, if you're 18 and liberal, you have a heart, and uh, if you're 30 and conservative, you have a brain." Classic yeah. Reagan. Yeah, well, that's, a, that's 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 Churchill. Really Churchill. Churchill. Thank you. Yeah, like you should have a you should have a. a you know, as a young person, you do want to show that empathy, and, and and but as you get older, your your brain starts to kick in and stuff. But <clears throat> so it's like my my wife's best friend, who she's been friends with since she was seventeen, is a, a gay guy, right? And it's like when he comes over, I'm nothing but kind to him, and it, it, and he's actually he was raised um, Eastern Catholic, so. What's strange is the last time I saw him, I was like, Paul, will you take me to a divine liturgy? I've never been to a divine liturgy. Like, there's ways to still talk about it. Like, there's still ways to, to, he knows I'm Catholic. He knows my faith is the most important thing in the world to me, but he doesn't feel like I'm pointing the finger at him when he comes over. And, mm -hmm. and, and he knows I love him and he knows that I, you know, he knows what I believe. It's just, you know, it's when you're dealing with an individual, it's one thing. When you're dealing with this movement, this movement is something very toxic and very scary. And 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 the and the way they're going after children is very, oh, it's it's a lot that we have to worry about. So, you know, it's kind of like um, <clears throat> Robert Nugent's take that he gave while he was on our show about the the Enoch Burke situation. Mm -hmm. Like, on one hand, he said, you know, he totally 
gets and respects Enoch Burks, um, who, who, if you don't know, he was a teacher in Ireland who's a, opposing, um, you know, the whole, the whole trans stuff over there. He gets and understands and respects Enoch Burke for how he stood up. But at the same time, he doesn't necessarily agree with what he was, he did because in the end, this was really about, uh, a kid with, with issues who, who was suffering <clears throat> and who this big media storm is, it's not going to help that individual in the end. Yeah. And I didn't think of it from that perspective until Robert said that to us. Right. Yeah. Like for me, I was just like, yeah, Enoch Burke is great. He's great. He's great. But like really when you're dealing with an individual, it's very different than when you're looking at an entire movement like that. Father Lovell says you should go after him more because the Roman right is superior. <laughs> yes, but the unique expression of the Roman right, ooh, or the ouch. traditional expression of the Roman right. <laughs> no, you know what? I've actually found like I, like talking to him about liturgy has been pretty interesting, right? Because he was like his so what it was is his father was greek orthodox and his mother was catholic so they settled on a byzantine catholic church so he went to divine liturgy and all this stuff but i mean he has a i think he has a lot of uh in his mind would be religious trauma but i really just think it's stuff that he's never you know worked through and talked about but he gets excited to tell me about things because he knows how much i am into my faith so when like when easter comes around he always goes well no your your easter calendar is different than mine you know things like that we'll talk <laughs> about liturgy and it's like all right paul come on take me to a divine liturgy i want to say i want to i want to check it out so we'll see how that goes <laughs> um and then did we want to touch on the on the vegan thing like we we did uh, put that in the title originally, and then we kind of changed it. But uh, Vigano's starting some kind of a uh, something similar to the coalition, where he's going to try to help out. Um, I guess people who are dealing with the Francis Pontificate clergy that are dealing with the Francis Pontificate, and I think he's doing something something along those lines, right? Is I, I saw the, I saw the story on Anthony Stein this morning. Is a uh, uh, it was a story in Gateway Pundit, so. Uh, rel- helping religious victims of the deep church. So it it wasn't isn't exerge dominate the title of the bull against Martin Luther. Is it? I didn't know that. I think it might be. Um, let me see. I'm gonna pull up the story so I can read it better. Okay, let's see. So. All right, so Carlo Maria Vigano, Archbishop Apostolic Nuncio, announces the association Exerge Domine is born to help priests and religious who are victims of the Bergoglian and Deep Church, <laughs> Pope Francis and the Deep Church purges. All right, so it, it, it's basically something similar to the coalition. There's no association whatsoever between them. Um, but I just think these things in general are, are some like, okay, so before I... Uh, before I offered to give my talk at the coalition conference, it was something I had to actually think about. Right. And it's like, you hear this thing all the time, from, especially Novus Ordo Catholics that these priests should act like Padre Pio and suffer in silence. And many times you see it from a priest tweeting from his iPhone 12 and tweeted 700 times that day. And it's like, dude, 
Don't talk to me about what these priests should do, like Padre Pio, while you're literally tweeting away a storm over <laughs> here. Right? Like, like let's just chill out. There's a very different situation, not just between promise and and um, and vow. That's not really what. I, that's not really where the difference is. There is. Don't get me wrong. That is a difference. To me, it's. <clears throat> If we don't offer priests who speak the truth an option to be backed up, like if we don't offer, hey, like if something, if you get hit by the guillotine because you said something true, like there's a, there's a place for you. Like there, if we don't offer that, we will never get any clergy to speak the truth ever. They will all just try to keep their heads down and they won't say a thing. And the ones who do get canceled will just vanish into obscurity and we will have nothing to push back against this thing that is happening right now. This is coming from Joe as in, you know, business owner, not speaking on behalf of the coalition at all, but you know, the in something like this, in a case like this, it makes more sense to just back the coalition instead of create another one, you know, you have this, uh, there's so many different priests and different uh, uh, nuns that have been, uh, that have been canceled. It just makes more sense to have it. And, and also because if Vigano isn't creating this, this isn't going to, this is something made by canceled priests for canceled priests, which is um, kind of an interesting take. And it, 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 it just doesn't, it doesn't really compute. In my mind, I think it's a great call. Um, I think that, you know, to support those who are canceled as a thesis and as a purpose is great. Absolutely. But uh, the coalition exists and they're doing great work. And do you guys exist outside of America? The coalition, uh, yes, it's people internationally. And uh, you're saying, um, whereas Veganos is created by a, a priest for priest. You're saying as opposed to the coalition, which many people probably don't realize is actually was created and run by laity for priests, yes, correct? It's laity for priests. And because it I think that there's this like really clean break in a sense. Because if it's run by priests for priests, then it's it's just more of this question of obedience and vows and listening to your bishop. Don't you do this, don't you do that? And whereas the laity, as to echo Sheen's words, it's up to the laity. The laity have much more freedom to say, no, I'm going to do what I want with my dollars. I'm going to do what I would like to in supporting these priests how I wish to. And I, I think that it's, um, it's just a, it's a different angle. But the purpose, of course, I think is very noble. Absolutely. So I think you also run okay. it with, with the way the, the, the coalition is, is structured compared to, like you said, this being created by an archbishop. Is when you're t- you're you're talking about a touchy subject of, of about canceled priest. I think there's more transparency with the laity run organization being able to do background checks and, and looking into each priest situation and making sure that wow. you know it's it's a valid case of being unjustly canceled. Whereas, you know, we've seen bishops cover up for priests for the last you know yeah. fifty years for multiple reasons. So. I think it's just more prudent the way the the coalition is formed and structured. Yeah, I do agree. What's interesting about the coalition is um, because um, I've gotten contact. I got somebody contacted me when I said I was speaking at the conference. They were like, you're basically the same Padre Pio line, right? 
And I'm like, okay, so there are maybe two priests who are the face of that thing. There are dozens behind the scenes that aren't the face of it, who don't want to come out and speak, who are just canceled. And they're not looking to be famous for being canceled. They're just being supported by this organization. And it's, I'm really like, I want my priest to be like to, to have an insurance policy that if he says something, he knows he won't be left grilling at the Capitol grill. <laughs> like I really do. I want to know. I want my priest to know, like, dude, you won't be left out in the cold. Say what needs to be said. Speak you know, the our, truth. Our duty to tithe and to support the church. It's, it's not a duty to give our, my, my 10% to the Catholic, to church. the Bishop, to right. the diocese, to Cat, you know, Catholic charities, so they can send condoms to Africa. It's a duty to the church as a whole, and and that includes, you know, priests from all over the country that have been unjustly canceled. Yeah, it's like I, like I, okay. So we had um, on Sunday the collection basket comes around, and the second collection was for Peter's Pence. Ugh. I didn't give a dollar to that. Oh, well, you can't. I, my, I didn't give a dollar. Yeah, so I would say Michael, it's Hitch, Michael Hitchborn point. actually gave some great. We're going to talk to him when he comes on on Tuesday. But there are ways, like very specific ways, that you can make sure your money goes specifically to your parish. You can itemize your checks when you write them, and it's like you, because you do want to support your parish, guys. Like it's very important that you support your parish. You mm-hmm. don't want your parish to be floundering. Like you, you, you want to make sure that you, especially if you, even if it's a diocesan, it doesn't matter. If you have a good priest and a good parish, you want to support that. Now it's funny because when that basket comes around, ninety nine percent of the people just instinctively throw something in it, and you feel you feel like people give you a look if you don't. But I doubled up on my initial giving in the first basket this this week, and had no problem saying I don't I don't give to Peter's pence. May so I Peter's, Yeah. Sorry. I'm so sorry, Anthony. Go ahead. Just, just asking no. permission and jump in. Don't say sorry. Just go for it. <laughs> Never apologize to me. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about whether or not I should say it. And um I don't know how public of knowledge that this is. And this is not me speaking uh on behalf again of the coalition at all. And I knew this information uh, I've known this information for quite some time, but here's another problem that I have with the uh, exerge domine caused by Vigano. Uh, it is a known secret that Vigano is quietly ordaining men who have not been given, and people haven't been sharing this publicly, but it's quietly known by a lot of different Catholic media personalities that Vigano ordains men quietly into the priesthood without training them up properly in the seminary. To be yeah, doing that, to be doing that is a really stupid idea. <laughs> it's just stupid. And so people, not lady don't know this. And it I don't know why. And maybe there's gonna be a lot of Catholic media who are gonna be happy, unhappy with me that I that I share that live. But we'll just blame Anthony. You can no, blame no, Anthony. No, no, I was just gonna yeah. say, I mean, he comes from church militant, so it's <laughs> he's gotta, he's I don't gotta, know why it has been shared. You know, they're known you know. for blowing things up. It's, okay. <laughs> it's true, but so okay. So let's say we have we have all of these canceled priests or all of these canceled seminarians. Does Vigano then say, "Hey, canceled seminarian, let me uh, let me just clearly this guy knew this guy's new. He's actually apologizing. Who's cut Anthony off? <laughs> um, there you go, oh, Rick. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Did you just kick him out? Sure did. 
<laughs> he throws me um, off my own show all the time. But, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, I, okay, we'll shut up. Go, Joe. Yeah, guys, shut up. No. Um, there you go. That's scary. So let's say there's a canceled seminarian, and Exerge Domini says, come on in. Does Exerge Domine ordain these priests? Does Rome have any say in the ordination and the formation of these priests? Or do they have no idea as to the reasons behind the liturgy? How much do they know about the end times, speaking of eschatology? How much do they know about where the uh, the truths of the church come from when it comes to the deposit of faith? How well-versed are these young men that Vigano has been ordaining? And I have to say it, if, if a lot of these Catholic media companies knew this and they just refused to come out and say it, I don't know on what planet we don't we aren't sharing that. Is it because Vigano is just too popular that we can't that we can't say anything because if Vigano comes against us, oh no, or is or is there maybe some other reason? In my opinion, Vigano shouldn't be doing it, and that's the biggest reason I'm afraid of this you, surgery. You know, that's why I didn't say anything earlier. Not too. I mean, also like like Vigano. Prior to his whole turning against Francis, it's not like he was well known for being like traditional or he was. Yeah, but I, he I was just another Vatican politician, a, right? So, people like, can have a, a a scales from from their eyes moment, right? No, I, I'm just saying. Yeah, but why or why would we necessarily want to trust him with priestly formation? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and this see, is all alleged, by the way. It's know. all alleged. Yeah, I didn't know any of this. I had no idea that was going on. So allegedly, I, allegedly. I have a, uh, I have a, uh, the, I have a like a, um, like a, a, a two minds about Vigano, right? Like that, like I hated when he got when he dipped into the Trump stuff. Like I wasn't oh, that crazy. That was so about, cringe. I wasn't crazy about him to call in Trump another catacone and things like that. Which I understand what he was saying. He was saying like, like. Trump could be a, a a form of a restrainer of evil that was coming, but I think he should have steered clear of it, but he didn't. But the, the last couple of letters he's written have been phenomenal. And to have an archbishop saying things like that, I think is always a good thing, whether regardless of how he came to that position, because I think that people can have a St. Paul moment where all of a sudden the scales fall from their eyes and they're like, holy cow, I can't believe what I what was beneath the surface the whole time. And I never knew um, at the same time, if that's really going on and he's ordaining men that are not really formed, uh, formed properly, like they should be getting the proper formation and stuff. So that's really inside baseball stuff that I had no idea about. Well, but, I also think, you know, it's the, uh, the idea of, okay, his letters were really good. He's calling out the global elite. Thank God we need a prelate doing that. Yeah. And Vino has got a huge platform, but just like you can go too far center off to the left, you can do so to the right as well. And it's very hard to stay on that narrow path. And, you know, ordaining men that aren't ready to rock into the priesthood, that's a little too far to the right. And it doesn't it doesn't help us. Like, right. how, how does that help us? Well, okay, so we... You guys just trash vegan now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the uh, I I uh, I I think that anybody that's going to be helping priests in this current climate, it's a good thing. It's noble. Like I really do think priests are under tremendous pressure right now. So I personally like the coalition. So I'll be sticking with those guys. But if that's an international thing that Vigano's doing, 
that's what he's doing. You know what what happens with the with the ordinations and stuff. We'll see what comes of that. So let's see. Uh, yeah, we see. You see. Uh, I mean, people. I I see this all the time. Like there are very two different minds about vegano, right? And mm-hmm. some people love him. Some people hate him. Yeah. It's like, and I loves our lady saying, stop piling on vegano. He's done a lot of good. He has, but he shouldn't be ordaining men allegedly who aren't ready for the priesthood. That's objective, reasonable, easy to say. And it's very, very dangerous to be doing that. Very, very dangerous to be doing that. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think that we have to find a way to make a house United, just like you asked for. Right. So mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to do the best we can to, Find common ground with everybody right now. Try to give uh, an empathetic view to where people are landing in their conclusions on what's going on in the church right now. I think Vigano is an entity unto his own, to be honest with you. Like, I think he's just, yeah. he's an entity on unto his own. Like, I, it would be cool if he did maybe work with you guys, but I don't. He's just such an, a, a massive force that it's almost like he kind of had to go and do his own thing, you know? So. I just wish there were more Schneiders. You can't find one, you know, one, one bad thing to say about our Bishop Schneider. I don't understand how he has not been canceled. Like how, how is, how is he still? I think being a victim of communism has definitely helped. (laughs) You know, I think, I don't know. He just seems so, uh, I don't know. He's so noticeably holy, right? Yeah. But I'm saying, why hasn't Francis taken him out? I mean, he speaks yeah. He speaks his mind. He doesn't... I don't know. Yeah, Maybe it's true. because he's just from this tiny little... He's, a, he's an auxiliary bishop of you, Kazakhstan. It's like... The funniest part of the whole conference talks was listening to Eric Sammons trying to pronounce Kazakhstan. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> was it Eric or was it Kennedy? No, I think it was, it was Eric. It was Eric. He was trying to say Kazakhstan. He's like, I can't even pronounce it. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But it really is interesting that like he's not caught. Like They're going after, after um, Strickland because Strickland's vocal. I mean, they're making it like they're going after Strickland for whatever they're making it like. But we all know they're doing it because he, he speaks mm-hmm. up. You know? And it's like they're, they just... I'm I'm surprised that Schneider has managed to dodge the bullet as as long as he has. Mm-hmm. And what's true. going on with Strickland? Any updates? Wasn't it wasn't it just a slap on the wrist from from what was reported that all seems to be going well? But it was another slap on the wrist for the good bishop. I if that's correct, I was right. I just want everybody to note. Everybody <laughs> said they were going to take him out. I said they're not taking him out. It'll be too much of an uproar. Yeah. There's a lot of money in the diocese at the end of the it's day. It's just too much. It, dude, it would just, it's, he's not some bishop from Puerto Rico. Like, he's not yeah. just where all the other bishops don't like him. It just, mm-hmm. you're not going to get away with canceling Strickland without a fuss. <laughs> That's all I was saying. So, all right. We're at an hour and 35. Joe, you can't, I, I said an hour and a half if you're a good guest. I'm not doing two hours with you. I know you're good. There's only okay. a handful of guests that I've ever gotten that. <laughs> and it's usually just me and Anthony when that happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, all right. So Friday night, the guest is to be announced. We don't know yet. I will I will pick somebody, and we will go from there. Joe, you were fun, man. We're going to do this again. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for you having me. Yeah, he. What, what about his company? Oh, thanks. Yeah, I uh, – <laughs> 
I have a company, amgmoon.com. We essentially media consultant. So whether it's soup to nuts. So if it's ideation to just kind of refining what existing programs people have, we've got something for everybody. Can you so help me and Rob out. do anything? Absolutely. But if I helped, it would just make it worse because you guys are so <laughs> <laughs> What he's saying is he's too expensive for us. <laughs> One day, Rob. One day. One oh, day. guys, also check our locals out. We only have uh, we ha- we have to get like another 20 local supporters to be able to do hour long shows. So right now they limit us to 30 minute uh, local support shows. So if you guys are still around and you're not a local supporter, we need about 20 more people to be able to do full hour-long local yeah. shows. We found which, that out last Friday. We're in the middle of a stream. It cuts us off because we hit half an hour. We hit a half an hour. We have to start a new stream. We want to be able to do full hour streams for our um, for our audience. And, like, the, those local streams, they're interesting. They're not your regular show. Like, the first one we did, we just – we were like, oh, there's 12 people in here. Who wants to come on with us? And we invited a bunch of people on with us. And yeah. whoever was in the stream, I sent them the link and they popped on and I interviewed some of our guests. I had Joe Diodati, who I was so happy to finally meet because Joe Diodati is a very special friend of Rob and I. We were finally able to get him on and I was able to ask him questions. Um, we met um, Beth Nagel. We met. So, it was, so those shows are very I know Adrian's dying to get on. <laughs> we're gonna so listen if you guys can please support our locals we're trying to get it up to 50 so that we can do those hour-long shows and if we actually start making enough money that i don't have to work saturdays anymore we will do a saturday show for our local supporters so guys please go support the coalition for canceled priests check out amg moon uh joe you are always welcome here this is a fun show um anything else rob uh, I have a special song to take us out. Take so, it away, brother. Please rickroll them. Is, is it, is it a rickroll? <laughs> oh, even but in no, this Joe, this is this is for you, buddy. Yeah, feel it. Don't be afraid. Feel it. You think that you're the only one that gotta suffer? You think that you're the only one with pain to suffer? Everybody, everybody got a thing they gotta suffer. Rich or poor, rich or poor, don't matter, gotta suffer. You think that you're the only one that gotta suffer? You think that you're the only one with pain to suffer? Everybody, everybody got a thing they gotta suffer. Rich or poor, rich or poor, don't matter, gotta suffer. Rich man goes to the doctor, gonna find out all the rich food he ate, gonna make him die of gout. Wiping kids are crying, suffering the pain, wondering if they don't change, gonna die the same. 